So we know that's not true, but we, we're grateful for the beginning of summer, and we're grateful for each one that is listening, and those of you who are here, we're grateful. <laughs> um, for those uh, who would like to send offerings, um, you can make it out to Winber Assembly, Box 361, Winber PA 15963. So Winber Assembly, Box 361, Winber PA. So look forward to hearing from you. If you have any needs or special requests, you can also mail those in or put them on our web page and we'll remember you in our prayers. The message today is from the book of Jonah. Um, Jonah's an interesting story. It's, again, it's one of these stories that we have heard over and over again since, we, uh, since I was a child in uh, Sunday school and in children's church and things like that about Jonah and the great fish. Well, we, as we think of Jonah, he's more than just a, a guy who refuses to go where he's supposed to and gets swallowed by a fish. So well, there's a lot in the book of Jonah, and hopefully we'll, as we go through it this morning, we'll be able to do it justice. But the book of Jonah is one of those that it does not play, take place in, the, in Israel. Uh, there's no indication as to, the, to its date. Um, it does not contain any prof prophetic visions or revelation. The focus is not on the people that uh, the prophet is speaking to, but it is on Jonah. It's about Jonah and his personal experiences that he has in his life. And I think that as we look at this book and look at his life, I think there's a Jonah in all of us. <laughs> now, we don't want to be like the, the ancient mariners. The ancient mariners are even in the not-too-distant past than the sailing ships. If things really went bad while they were sailing, they would look for a Jonah, and they would throw him overboard. So we don't want that type of Jonah experience where I'm a Jonah, throw me overboard. No, it's not what we're looking for. But this book shares the viewpoint that God has uh, towards us and that the idea is God is active. God is active in the world and in our everyday life, and we're believing how that God has a way of bringing us back to or bringing us, continuing to keep us on our course for him. Now, some of the unique contributions of the book of Jonah, it focuses on him, Jonah, and his call, and his response to the call. You would think, well, if God speaks to you, you're going to do what he says. Well, we know that that doesn't exactly happen for Jonah. And we recognize that God is not working to bless Israel. And this is one of the things here that's important. He's not working to bless Israel against the other nations but to bless other nations through Israel, through the prophet Jonah. So God's blessing to others often flows through you, and it's not against you, and it doesn't take anything away from you. <laughs> so we're seeing how that God can call us and bless us to be a messenger of God, and that his blessing can come through us to others, but it's not taking anything away from us. So... So why is Jonah so reluctant? <laughs> why is he so reluctant to go to Nineveh? Well, Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And Nineveh, um, let's just say the Assyrian, empires were, the Assyrian Empire was an arch enemy where they were very brutal to Israel, but taking into effect some of uh, 
how that God had uh, uh, told Israel to go and conquer and to kill um, all people in, in a particular city in the land. And it was indicating that God was trying to rid the, those communities, the, that area of sin and the false gods that were there. But Assyria, they would, they would just like raid the borders and, you know, burn and uh, loot and do everything they can. And so um, Jonah has this hatred towards Nineveh. So the question all can ask themselves is, is it possible that we each try to place our own limitations on the reach of God's blessing through our work? Just as Jonah had received a message to give to Nineveh by God was going to work through him, so the challenge comes to us as we look at this, how much of our life, or maybe sometimes we look at placing restrictions upon who we are, either that we're not qualified, or we feel that we're not qualified, um, or we are seeing how that this is going to be difficult and may work against us if they are blessed more than us, well, that may be against me. It may work you know, and not be favorable for me. Well, you see, people who have that mentality think that other people's success means they can't succeed. So there's a, you know, when we start looking at the book of Jonah and start looking at maybe perhaps some of the things he's looking at, because he doesn't want Nineveh to repent and he doesn't want Nineveh to be spared. Because... It means if they're spared and they get more power, they're going to come against Israel. <laughs> and there's going to be conflicts. And so Jonah, he's just not too anxious about going there. So God's blessing, <laughs> when God blesses through our message, we have to remember that it's not, God doesn't have a bucket. And that bucket is full of blessing. And when that bucket is empty, they're all gone. No. The blessings of God are endless. They are a, a, a fountain that's bubbling up and blowing, you know, overflowing. And so whenever we are blessing other people, it doesn't mean that we're losing something. We're allowing God then to allow the blessing to flow through us to touch other people's lives. Malachi, the prophet, said it this way. He said, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. <laughs> I had an, inc I had an inc incident this week that um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to talk about it because um, I did wrong. Uh-oh. That's twice. <laughs> Last Wednesday night and today, you know, that's twice. You know, been caught red-handed. I was in Johnstown, and, I, and my car was getting worked on at a, a specific place, and I decided to walk up to Sheets. And it was only two blocks away, and so it's sprinkling, raining, so I get out my umbrella, and I'm walking down the street. It's, a real, it's our big umbrella, you know? It's a very nice umbrella. And I'm walking down the street, and there's this guy coming towards me, and he's an older gentleman. He doesn't have an umbrella, and, you know, he's kind of getting wet. And, uh, and my impression was, give him your umbrella. And my first thought was, I'll get wet. <laughs> and it, and he should have brought an umbrella with him. <laughs> and I said hello to the man, and I kept on going. <laughs> so I didn't give him my umbrella. So 
you know, I didn't think much about it and go up to Sheets and get my iced, no, frozen coffee, whatever it is, and drank it and went back to the place where my car is being worked on. And after it's all worked on and I'm leaving and I have the radio on, the, the preacher's talking about when he was leaving the stadium one day at, uh, uh, after a baseball game, this was a few years ago, of course, there, it was raining, and there were these people running out of the stadium, and they had uh, the book covers, you know, the programs over their head, and he rolled down his window, and he gave them his umbrella. <laughs> what is the chances, you know? What are the chances that I would, and it's like, okay, God, I should have given my umbrella. <laughs> but there's more to it than that. It's that God is, I think, letting me know that the little things that he puts in our heart are really his direction, and they're, they're, just not, they're not just thoughts that come and go, you know. That doing good for people and doing the right thing for people, it's what we're supposed to do. And we're supposed to listen to those impressions of our heart to do good. You know, he wasn't asking me to sign my car over to the guy. You know, he's only asking me to give him an umbrella, and, you know, of course, I was thinking mostly of the other man, and, and I thought I'd get wet. No, <laughs> I was thinking of myself. Well, and I think that's kind of what we see here in Jonah, but, of course, to a, a much different de degree. But I think that's how that we can look at our own lives sometimes and see how we compare to this, this prophet Jonah. So we can see in Jonah a willful, though, a willful disobedience. And I think of that, was that a willful, but you know, you, well, I didn't really hear from God. It was just a thought. But it was more than a thought. <laughs> Maybe it was, those are the little voices, the little things we're supposed to pay attention to. But in Jonah, we see a willful disobedience to God. And God brings him back to where he needs to be had he just opened up and said yes in the first place. God has a way of bringing him back. So God's power, um, by God's power, our perspective of our service, our poor service, may accomplish everything that God intends. Our little acts of kindness may be exactly all that God is intending for us to do. So let's look at Jonah. And I'm not going to read, we're not going to read the whole book, but... Um, just excerpts of some of the scriptures and kind of get the idea of what's going on. So in Jonah chapter 1, the Lord spoke to Jonah, son of Amittai, Nineveh is a big city, and I have heard about the many evil things the people are doing there. So go there and tell them to stop doing such evil things. <laughs> so, okay, pretty straightforward. Jonah, I want you to go to this city, and it's an evil city. It's Nineveh, and they are doing bad things. I want you to tell them to stop to stop it. Well, um, and interesting, and I never knew this fact before, the God, the God, you know, not God Jehovah, the God of the Ninevites, of the Assyrians, was Dagon, D-A-G-A-N, Dagon, and he was a half fish, <laughs> half man, part fish, part man creature. And isn't it interesting that Jonah gets swallowed by a well and God causes him to get... So it's almost like no, uh, Moses, whenever his mother put him in the River Nile, the River Nile was the biggest god of the Egyptians. And the biggest god of the Egyptians couldn't stop the baby 
Moses from being discovered and stayed afloat and got discovered by Pharaoh's um, daughter, niece, uh, sister, whatever, was uh, um, found by him. And the river Nile, the big god of the Egyptians, couldn't do anything about it. And here is the great god of the Ninevites is, can't do anything in comparison to the god of Jehovah that um, Noah, Noah, that Jonah is serving. Verse 3. But Jonah tried to run away from the Lord. He went to Joppa. So in, in geographic terms, Nineveh is east, and Jonah goes to Joppa because he wants to go west. <laughs> he's, he's getting out of town, and he is um, rejecting his call from God. And in the book of Jonah begins with a call from God, and Jonah rejects God's call. <laughs> Foolishly, he tries to find a way to run away from God. The purpose of a call from God is to serve other people. The book of Jonah, the truth about Jonah, and we say, well, is Jonah really a, a real person? Is it a real story? And the answer to that is yes, because Jesus refers to it in Matthew 12. He says, as for as, far, uh, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So the book of Jonah and the situations that happen with Jonah are very real and they are true because Jesus um, legitimatizes the story. Verse 4. So Jonah's on ship, on board, and what happens? A great storm, a great wind, and the boat is breaking up and the sailors are afraid and so they're throwing stuff overboard and trying to save the ship, and where's Jonah? He's down in the belly of the, not the whale, the ship, <laughs> and he's sleeping. You know? So the people, are, the, the guys on board are all upset, and they go down, Jonah, wake up, you need to pray to your God. Now, I wonder if uh, Jonah thinks, well, if I pray to God, he'll know where I'm at. <laughs> you know, because people had those little, I don't know, Hopefully Jonah didn't have that. But if I pray to God and ask him, what's going to happen? He knows I'm not supposed to be here. And, you know, should I pray or should I not pray? Because I'm running away from God, and he knows I'm running away, and so there's this dilemma. The men said to Jonah, is it your fault, verse 8, that this terrible thing happened to us? Tell us what you have done. What is your job? Where do you come from? What is your country? Who are your people? You see, when trouble comes, even if Jonah, in this case, he's the cause of it, and he, he says, well, I'm, I'm a Hebrew, verse 9. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the land and the sea. Hmm. And then verse 10, Jonah told the men, I'm running away from God. What happened to the men? They became very afraid. Because if Jonah's God can create such havoc for all of them because one of his is running away from him, he must be a pretty powerful being. And then they ask, what terrible thing did you do to make your God so angry? The wind and the waves and the sea were becoming stronger and stronger. So the men said to Jonah, what should we do to save ourselves? Jonah, you're running from God. 
God is doing this to us. What are we going to do with you? (laughs) Jonah said to the men, I know I did wrong. Kind of a form of repentance. And this storm, so God has brought you the storm. So throw me into the sea and the sea will become calm. Now, we'll find out later also that Jonah, he wants to die. He doesn't, he would rather die. First of all, he's running from God in the opposite direction of where he's supposed to go. And now that he's, you know, over and over again, he'd rather die than go to Nineveh. Because he, he hates, he dislikes, <laughs> he, he vehemently wants nothing to do with Nineveh. And so he says, throw me overboard. And I'd rather die than go to Nineveh. So instead, the men tried to take the ship back to shore. Well, verse 14, so the men cried to the Lord, please, don't. Don't say we are guilty for killing this innocent man. Please, God, know that it's not our fault that we're killing him. <laughs> he wants us to throw him overboard or all, we're all going to die. So the men, verse 15, so the men threw Jonah into the sea. The storm stopped and the sea became calm. When the men saw this, they began to fear and respect the Lord. They offered a sacrifice and made special promises to the Lord. So... Jonah is running, and God seizes the opportunity to bring Jonah to repentance. But in the same time, he is bringing all the people on board ship into an understanding of who God Jehovah is. Well, Jonah is ready to die. But a fate worse than death happens. He gets swallowed alive. Now, I just can't imagine. We get a glimpse of it in his, in his prayer here. Seaweed and whatever else goes in a great fish. Now, it's not, not necessarily a whale, but some have compared it to a whale, but it's a great fish, a prepared fish. So um, it's capable of swallowing Jonah or it had never happened. And we find that Jonah says in chapter 2, I was in very bad trouble. Do you think? That's <laughs> in very bad trouble. You know? I called to the Lord for help and he answered me. So he wasn't afraid of praying now. <laughs> you know, he wanted God to send out that locator beacon, you know. God, this is where I'm at. And I was deep in the grave, meaning he thought he was dying in the belly of this fish. You, verse 3. You threw me into the sea. Your powerful waves splashed over me. I went down, down into the deep sea. The water was all around me. And, and you know, if you wonder, I, I, I just imagine this, but, you, you know, he's in, the, he's in this great fish, and th- the, those great fish can go very deep into the ocean. And what happens when you go deep into the ocean? There's a lot of pressure. You know, the pressure on the fish, the pressure on Jonah, it's all in there, and he's struggling to breathe. We'll find it out here in a minute. And I th- then I thought, uh, now I must go where God, uh, where you, God, cannot see me. But I continued looking to your holy temple for help. I have gone to a place that even God can't see. 
<laughs> and he says, but I continue to look to his holy temple. Jonah was frightened to die. Now, it was okay to die, but not be digested in a fish and drown. Okay. Um, verse 6. I was at the bottom of the sea, the place where the mountains begin. I thought I was locked in this prison forever, but the Lord my God took me out of my grave. God, you gave me life again. My soul gave up all hope, but then I remembered the Lord and I prayed. And you heard my prayers in your holy temple. That's where he was looking. Now he knows that God has responded. Some people worship useless idols, verse 9, but I will give sacrifices to you. And I will praise and thank you. I will make special promises. And I will do what I promise. Salvation only comes from the Lord. So that's the summary of Jonah's prayer for being in the belly of this great fish for three days, three nights. One of the great things about this whole scenario is the realization of the ability to repent and be forgiven by God. That's a whole new experience or a whole new understanding. Because this is about, this is not necessarily about the message, the, the uh, revelation, the vision of what God wants to do. And it's not about the, it's, it's involving the people of Nineveh. But this is, this story about Jonah, it's the only one like it in the Bible. Because it's about the person. And many times we think that if we're going to serve God, it's got to be perfect. We've got to do it without flaw and immediate obedience. It's all going to work out. Well, Jonah isn't that person. And God's letting us know that you know, we're flawed. We're not perfect. Chapter 3. The Lord spoke again and said, Go to the big city Nineveh and I will say what I, te and, and say what I tell you. So Jonah goes to the city, and Nineveh is a, a large city. Uh, it's a three-day walk from one end to the other. And um, he has a message. Forty days, and the whole place is going to be destroyed. Well, the people believed his report. I think, undoubtedly, the, the, the ship that put Jonah, threw Jonah overboard, had found port again back close to where they put off, near Jaffa, and message has gotten back to <laughs> the Nineveh. There's this guy coming we threw overboard, and he was swallowed by a fish, you know, so he's not coming, and then he shows up. <laughs> and I don't know what a person looks like after three days in the digestive system of a whale, but I'm sure he's not the most pleasant of people to look at. And so he goes to Nineveh 40 days, and God's going to be destruction. And what happened? The fish, the god of the Ninevites, couldn't contain the man of God. And the man of God is telling the people who believe in the fish, <laughs> you got to repent. And everybody in the city repented. <laughs> they repented in sackcloth and ashes. Verse 9, the king says, Who knows, maybe God will stop being angry and change his mind and we will not be punished. Repentance and finding forgiveness. That was unheard of to their God. Chapter 4. This is the most important part. <laughs> Chapter 4. 
Jonah was not happy that God saved the city. Jonah was angry. Why? Lord, I knew this would happen. You see, he hates Nineveh, and he knows that if he takes a message to Nineveh, they might repent, and he didn't want them to repent. He wanted them to be punished. And he said, I knew you would do this. I was in my own country, and you told me to come here. At that time, I knew that you would forgive the people of this evil city, so I decided I'm running away. I'm not letting them hear the message of God. I knew that you are a kind God. I know that you show mercy and don't want to punish people. I know that you are kind, and if these people stop sinning, you would change your plans to destroy them. <laughs> now, we would say, wow, wonderful message. But you see, he knew the character of God, and he knew it so well, he wasn't going to tell the people about repenting because he knew God would forgive them, and he didn't want them forgiven. Jonah knew the character of God. You are gracious, relenting from disaster. And despite Jonah's disobedience, his narrow-mindedness, Jonah understood the character of God. You know, and I go over and over this again, I mentioned over a couple times, that we have faith because we... We have faith in Jesus Christ because he is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. And whenever we have faith in the word, we have faith in Christ. So whenever we are praying the word, Father, forgive me, we're, we're praying the word of Christ to us to forgive us. God, uh, very present help in time, of no, uh, in time of need. I'm praying the word and I'm asking God for help in my time of need. Um, verse 2, I knew you are kind. <laughs> Jonah knew God would give in to repentant people. Sometimes people think, oh, I'm too sinful, I'm too bad, I did this, I did that. I can never really get clean from my past. Well, Jonah's telling us here, he knew God would let people uh, be blessed and he would, he would hear their repentant songs and their repentant prayers. <laughs> and Jonah disobeys God's call because he objects to God's intent to bless Israel's enemies. really goes against the New Testament. Pray for your enemies, those who despitefully use you. <laughs> Verse 3. Jonah says, Lord, just kill me. <laughs> just kill me. It's better for me that I die than to live. <laughs> it's better for me to die than to live knowing that I brought the message, your message to these people and they repented and you didn't kill them. You know, it's his hatred. He is so biased and so, but he, you know, he may have had, fam, you know, the, the, the raids of the um, Syrians could have killed his family, could have wiped out towns, could have, he could have had a really just reason for not wanting these Ninevites to be, not be punished. But he, he thought he held within his hand and his heart the ability to punish Nineveh. But he didn't. He only had a message of repentance. And forgiveness. And God wouldn't let him bring another message. You see, that's our message of repentance and forgiveness. The Lord said, do you think you have a right to be angry? 
See, God challenges Jonah. Can you imagine God saying, do you think you have a right to be angry? <laughs> like, you know, if I were God, I'd, you know, put a few lightning bolts on him and ask him, do you think you have a right to be angry now? <laughs> I'll put him back in the fish. See if he's got a right to be angry now. <laughs> no, that's not God. That's our humanness. God challenges Jonah's reasoning. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord in Isaiah. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as wool. God wants us to think through this. Don't check your brain at the door. We have God given us the ability to think and to reason, to understand. To understand his word, make application of his word. And his Holy Spirit makes that real to us. Verse 5. Jonah went out of the city to a place near the city, and he made a shelter for himself and sat there in the shade. What's he doing? He's waiting to see what will happen. (laughs) I've got a ringside seat to the destruction of Nineveh. I hope those people don't repent. (laughs) He's he's sitting there wanting the people to be destroyed. This is Nineveh. We're going to, God's going to get them. Right? Jonah still refuses to accept deliverance for the Ninevites. He's praying and hoping that God will execute judgment upon these wicked people. But they repented. Jonah hasn't caught up to what was actually going on. Verse 6. So the Lord made a gourd that grew, grew, up, grew up quickly over Jonah. Big plant grew up over day, during the day. And God provided, God provided the fish and he provided the gourd, this plant. And what happened was that the, um, the God provided a worm. A worm came in, ate the, ate the plant, and the plant died, and Jonah's angry again. <laughs> Who's he angry at? He's angry at God. After the sun was high, God caused the heat in the east wind. The sun became very hot on Jonah's head, and he became very weak. And he asked God, God, let me die. I mean, Jonah's got a death wish here. (laughs) But God isn't listening to his death wish. It's better for me to die than to live. So whether Jonah was, didn't want to be responsible for a message of forgiveness going to Nineveh and the people of Israel are going to hate him, or whether he's going to be considered a false prophet, he prophesied judgment and he didn't come. You know, what's going on here? We don't really know. But in Jonah's mind and his heart, he wanted to die because he didn't want to be responsible for the salvation of this city. Not back in Israel. And God says, do you think it is right for you to be angry just because this plant died? So he's asking two questions. One, do you think it's right for these people to be saved? Do you think it's right that this plant died? Verse 11. If you can get upset over a plant, surely I can feel sorry for a big city like Nineveh. There are many people and animals in that city. There are some, there are more than 120,000 people there who did not know they were doing wrong. 
they didn't know their right hand from their left. You see, God is trying to get Jonah to understand he's upset over a plant. God is saying, I'm going to save a city. And Jonah's so angry and, and, and upset with Nineveh and the message of forgiveness, he can't see the, the blessing that God is using through him to make a difference in the lives of the people around him. And the challenge is for us that we all have our moments, we all have our things that we, you know, prejudices, our opinions, our, you know, just start talking politics and you'll find opinions. <laughs> but we start talking religion, we start talking the politics, we start po talking whatever, ball teams or this, this, this crisis and whether it should be this or that, and everyone's, you know, up in arms and angry. And do you have a right to be angry? The answer is, well, maybe. Does Jonah have a right to be angry? Nineveh? Well, there are brutal people. But Jonah has a message. The message is forgiveness, repentance. God will save you. Our message is one of security and peace, repentance, and knowing that God will bring about his sovereign will. And in our lives, if God can take a person like Jonah who is doing the exact opposite of what God has called him to do, can you imagine what God will do for people who have a, an open heart towards him? How he will guide us and protect us? Jonah went the long way around to get to Nineveh, but each of us, as we're serving God and wanting to serve God, he will take us in the direct path. And that direct path will be one of blessing and one of being able to help people. People will be there to help us. We'll be able to sow things and reap things, uh, reap a harvest. We'll be able to do the things that God has called us to do. And it will change our life and it will change the lives of others. So we see that there's not a basket or a bucket that only is so full with this much blessing. <laughs> no, it's an endless reservoir bubbling up within us to bless others and for us to be blessed. And because we bless them, it doesn't rob us of anything. It only adds to who we are and what God wants for us to do. So it's a challenge not to hate Nineveh. But the challenge is to allow God to change our hearts. To allow God to change our hearts. That we can give away our umbrella. <laughs> even if we are going to get wet. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you, O oh God, for the blessings you've brought to us and the understanding that we have with Jonah and how that you brought him through all of these difficulties, even though he was walking in disobedience and running from you. God, you saved him, you brought him back, and Lord, you brought him to a place of realization where his heart was challenged by the truth of your word and your compassion. So help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us to be obedient to your word and your message, that the path we walk will be one of blessing and honor to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.